everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chillin' in the State House. I am Andrew Ball, one half of the Topeka Capital Journal's state government and politics team, here with another episode of Kansas's Chillist podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Tidd, uh, my better half at the CJ. Jason, how are you doing, sir? Doing well. I uh, am pretty chill. Uh, going into the Chiefs Super Bowl weekend. Yes, yeah, it, when, by the time you're listening to this, you will know whether Jason will be happy on Monday morning or sad on Monday morning. Uh, uh, it'll be a red weekend, uh, and not just for the Chiefs Super Bowl. Ooh, that was nice! That, that was is a, a nice transition. It, and, and If I only I didn't just... have to introduce Hannah, it would have been perfect. <laughs> Just kidding, John. Yes, we well, we are we're pleased as always to be joined. I'm so by... famous; everybody knows who my voice, right? <laughs> That's probably true, actually. But but for posterity, John Hanna, the Associated Press, our steamed co-host. John, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Andrew, and hello, Jason. And <laughs> uh, you know, I was just I was just going to mention that uh, we are chill, and perhaps Patrick Mahomes is very chill. But there are lots of unchill people gathering in Topeka Friday and Saturday. <laughs> yeah, not they are uh, not stressed because of the game. They are stressed over uh, what could be described as political games. Yeah, who will be the next chair of the Kansas Republican Party? And before you turn who off gets this to podcast, quarterback the, uh, Ooh, the nice. team. Ooh, nice. Ooh, football metaphors. We like football metaphors. Well, before you turn off this podcast, because you think that's so inside baseball, uh, it will have a pretty big impact on the direction of the Kansas Republican Party. And we'll get into that a little bit. But but first, we should maybe break down the players in the game. I I was trying to try and continue the football metaphor, but we'll we'll Well, just abandon So the the team in this uh, sport that we were talking about is the Kansas Republican Party. They have their annual uh, annual correct uh, uh, convention in Topeka. Yes, their annual winter February used to be at the end of January convention. And they are electing a new chair. There are two candidates, uh, Helen Van Etten and Mike Brown. And Helen Van Eden, kind of a stalwart of state. Decades of, of work for the party, starting with the grassroots. She's a Republican National Committee member from 2008 to 2020, uh, also a member of the State Board of Regents for a while. And Mike Brown, we uh, you might remember him, longtime listeners of the podcast. I guess not all that long time. Going back to August of 2022, he ran against Secretary of State Scott Schwab in the primary. I think it's safe to say he was running to the Secretary of State's right. He was very much uh, promoting uh, election conspiracies yeah uh, there was really no other way to say it and if you're from johnson county you might also remember him from such hits as the shawnee county sorry not shawnee county the johnson county board of commissioners yes so john maybe you want to put this in a little bit of context for us because you know inter-party fights are not unusual in both the Kansas Republican Party and the Kansas Democratic Party, well, and, but, but and, this seems a little different. Well, there there are two contexts here. Um, 
in infighting has been in the i mean there's been infighting in the kansas republican party since charles robinson was governor and james lane was a senator that's 1861 folks um I mean, you know, you used to have the bull moosers, uh, Teddy Roosevelt bull moosers and the, and the uh, William Howard Taft Republicans. You had, you had the Alf Landon Republicans and the more conservative Republicans. You had Ike Republicans and another Taft Republicans. I mean, it's, it's constant. So there is that. And what's going on nationally, we saw it with uh, Ronna McDaniel as when she was elected to another term as RNC Republican National Committee chair uh there was a what was described as an ultra maga backlash uh protest even though uh former president Donald Trump picked her for that job um <clears throat> Michigan is going to have its Republican convention the week after Kansas has its convention and it's going through the same kind of uh, acrimony and last year in nebraska after the uh, republican primary for governor the they had a state convention and the delegates there fired the chairman um because uh they were upset that the candidate uh, backed by trump did not win so and, and this somebody is in nebraska was briefly arrested yes a delegate and then i think he came back later to vote to oust the current chair yes. which is uh, it was it, i think the word drama. they used was tumultuous um it seems and, to qualify <laughs> yes it seems to qualify and so this is you know there's this there's this angst and this question about the future of the Republican Party. Clearly, there are some folks who want to think about moving on from Trump and folks who do not. There is kind of this, uh, so there's this ongoing conflict. And, and in Kansas, it really seems to be more about, more than anything, style. And, and thinking of national politics, there's also, you know, Donald Trump is running for president again. But yes. the party isn't unified around him and we also saw the republicans in the u.s house of representatives not get unified very quickly behind uh now speaker kevin mccarthy yeah so a lot of lot of tension in the republican party and of course nationally they had a a disappointing midterm uh election there there had been predictions of a red wave and it and it didn't quite materialize and of course here in kansas democratic governor laura kelly narrowly won re-election and uh sharice davids the third district congresswoman the only democrat in the congressional delegation she won pretty comfortably and the republican backed uh value them both amendment failed in august yes well and i think i want to Stay on the midterms for a second because, I mean, there were these fissures before the midterms, mm-hmm. of course. But I think in Kansas, the disappointment over not winning back the governor's mansion, Jason, maybe brought some of this to light. And, and Mike Brown, I think, very quickly after the election was quite critical of the work of kind of the party infrastructure and the party establishment. And we yeah. started to kind of go off to the races on some of this uh, uh discord yeah i mean it's not to say that if derek schmidt had won that we wouldn't have seen a contested chairman or chairwoman race Uh, but it certainly does not help when the person viewed as the establishment candidate the person chosen in some ways by party leadership 
does not win the race. Well, and and when a governor is is elected, that governor is, has a good deal of a really good deal of influence most times over the state party, and I mean it, can bring people along to avoid a big knockdown drag out over. Yeah, Kansas Democrats look to Laura Kelly as their leader. Yeah. Uh, And then to a a lesser extent, Sharice Davids. Mm -hmm. For Kansas Republicans, there isn't really a clear leader at this moment. And I think that we're getting this kind of... uh, I mean, we've seen tensions now for a couple weeks at the first congressional district meeting, for instance, a few weeks back. They censured Jerry Moran for his... who was by the election results anyway the most popular Kansas Republican on the ballot Wait, more or was he more popular than Vicky Schmidt Oh that's true or, yeah, that's, Vicky, I think Vicky, Vicky might have been was actually the most popular That's true um but uh, he was up there um but they censored him over his vote on the uh omnibus spending bill there was a marathon meeting for the second congressional district Republicans in Fort Scott, which is in of itself a little bit unusual because they usually hold their meeting in Topeka. Some tensions there over how the delegates would shake out. So, it, you know, this has kind of been building towards. Well, there, there was some interesting email exchanges. Well, yes, there have been Facebook some, posts. There have been some interesting email exchanges. Uh, Mike Cuckelman, the retiring chairman of the Republican State Republican Party is officially neutral. However, he has been critical of some of the things Mike Brown has said and questioned uh, some of the things Mike Brown has said in the past. And that led the new chair of the Republican Party in Johnson County. She is, um, I think it's Maria Holiday, I think. And she is a Brown supporter. And she called what he was saying and how he was, how Cuckelman was treating Mike Brown. I think the phrase she used was absolutely abhorrent. He fired back with, in one afternoon, three pretty scathing emails that got widely circulated among uh, state committee members. And um, so, yeah, it's getting a little tense. And we're recording this before we know who wins. Yes, <laughs> but we—I think we're planning on having a bit of an addendum at the end. So yes, when we get to that point, don't 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 turn that dial, folks. Um, but maybe it's worth taking a brief pause and breaking down why it matters who is chair of the Republican Party in Kansas. Aside from kind of the symbolic fight, you know, the next election cycle will mean probably the biggest thing the party's going to have to do uh, a caucus for the for the presidential yeah they have to decide how to do that that's the first thing do you do a caucus do you do a primary if you do a primary how do you do it um it or you know when when president trump was running for re-election they just you know they just basically said we're not going to waste the time or the money all the delegates are going to be for trump i mean that's that i would say probably the most significant Mm-hmm. will be the most significant, tangible, immediate consequence of, of how the chair election plays out. Maybe I might be wrong on that. Well, there, there are decisions about who who uh, who is the chief staffer over at the party. There are questions about, you know, how the party raises and spends money, how, um, you know, 
you've gotten into this interesting situation where you can have a weak party and strong uh, dark money groups helping. And then what that means is the candidates may be more beholden to the dark money groups than they are to the party. I think we see that a little bit on the Democratic side in Kansas, where the Kansas Values Institute is where the national party, the big interest groups kind of funnel money through rather than the KDP. Well, and, and, you know, a party exists to a party exists to win elections. And so they're building the infrastructure to get out the vote. And if the party is run well, that effort can be very effective. If it's not run well, um, that, that can cause you, that can cause you problems. I mean, I'm thinking of a decade ago, 2012, Mitt Romney, for example, was looking at what the party was, the party organization in Nevada was, and he didn't like what he saw. So he just, he set up a shadow operation and that, that probably cost him time and money that could have been spent better elsewhere. Um, and, and so that, those kinds of issues get into it. What, what, what we're wondering is, for example, if Mike Brown is elected, uh, the chair, is the party going to, I don't know what word you would use. Um, is it going to be more, performative, more uh, PR-oriented, more about uh, making sure that Republicans are tel- on television talking about culture war issues or, or whatnot? Is it going to be more about attacking Joe Biden and Laura Kelly? Not that those things ever go away, of course. Or is it going to be you know, a lot about just the nitty gritty of fundraising and party infrastructure, party infrastructure, or, I mean, let's be honest, you can do both at the same time, but that can, that can, uh, that can, you, you know, you can get into a situation where you're doing both. Okay. And neither really well. Well, and I, Jason, kind of heading into an interesting election cycle because aside from the presidential race on the ballot, you know, there are not going to be a ton of big ticket races. I guess the congressional races will, of course, be on there. But there will no be no U.S. Senate race, though. Right. No statewide races, no U.S. Senate race. You know, that's going to kind of present an interesting challenge for whoever heads both the Republican and the Democratic Party next. And there will be state legislative seats the entire senate uh they'd uh you know if the party isn't run effectively uh, or if it doesn't have a message that uh works well with voters they could be looking at losing the supermajority in either chamber going into the last two years of kelly's administration and well, the trajectory is not looking great for republicans in johnson county in state legislative races. well and, and 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 i think we've talked about this on the podcast before Republicans have got to be, I mean, uh, again, the the new chair in, in Johnson County was talking about trying to stop what she called the purple creep, um, you know, the party becoming, the, the county, Johnson County, becoming more and more Democratic. 
and you know I, I wouldn't even call it purple at this point i think it's a it would be a blue creep <laughs> yeah i mean there there are there are parts of johnson county now that were red that are solidly blue especially the northeast corner and that that blue uh that blue area is is growing and you've got you know you've got some conservative state senators mike thompson shawnee rob olson olatha who are argu- kelly warren of kelly Leewood. warren in in leewood who are arguably in districts that are not you know i if those districts elect them again you know it's hard but who are arguably more conservative than the districts they're in um, and, and so those are pickup opportunities, arguably for Democrats. Um, and, and some of that is going to determine, some of that is, you know, going to be, what does the state party look like? What does it emphasize? I mean, if, if, for example, the state party spends and, and other people around the state party and candidates, for the legislature elsewhere are emphasizing all these cultural war issues. How is that going to play in Johnson County? And thinking of culture war issues this week, we're expecting to see uh, transgender issues in the legislature through uh, three different bills. And Schmidt made transgender politics, a big piece of his campaign during the waning month of it. And it didn't work. I mean, yeah, I mean, arguably I, it didn't work. He, I, I think the Repu- the Republican Governors Association, and between him, his campaign and the Republican Governors Association, I think they may have had eight or nine ads mentioning the issue of of transgender athletes and girls and women's sports. You know, that's two and then later ad- drag shows. Yeah, drag shows, but it was like two ads for every actual transgender kid participating in in after school activities. Um so they really thought, I mean, you know, they thought great, this is polling well, this is a wedge issue, this is something you can, you know, that that moderate voters care about, we can bring them on board and then it just barely didn't happen. And, you know, the so yeah, that raises some questions about outside of the Republican base how effective these issues are, but you never know until you see how they play in a campaign. Saturday's going to be interesting. I yes. think it uh, you know, we will no holds barred seems to be the expectation and the expectation is and i maybe when we do the addendum we will be proven i i will be proven horribly wrong but from what i'm hearing is it's going to go down to the wire yeah i mean all the republicans i've talked to about it think it's going to be very close um which again we might look like idiots when we're recording yeah, part two yeah. of this. So, so how does it work is it just a simple majority needed to win uh are only two names going to be put on the ballot so you're only going to it will only be a one ballot thing to win or are we looking at something that could be a 15 rounds of voting like we saw in dc well the the way the way it works is you'll first have you will first have a credentials report which will tell you how many people are credentialed and allowed to vote um 
uh, the last number I remember seeing is about 180 people. And the people who are voting are elected office holders. They are. And- yeah, they are. They are delegates chosen by various party organizations. They're, there are the statewide elected officials, top legislative leaders, that sort of thing. But a lot of the folks in the room are, ju- are, are, are party activists, people who are active back home. And because they're kind of at, the grassroots, the real power. grassroots, you know, the, the people who don't ever get any ink, but actually are on the ground doing a lot of the work. Um, and so they will vote. And yeah, generally the way it's worked is they hand out little paper slips of paper and you write a name on them and they you collect them and drop them in a box and then the they appoint counters and they go off into a room and count them and yeah if you have if you have for example three candidates then you have two rounds of voting you do you know unless somebody gets an absolute majority the first time you know michigan there it looks like their chairman's race is going to have 10 candidates which thankfully we've been spared which such is nuts uh, if you think about it um but yeah i mean <laughs> that's like i mean you know it's, yeah so in theory they should have uh one vote and you know whoever gets whatever a majority is should win but you know if we start getting into situations where people's credentials are questioned or it's so close that it's a tie or something like that, um, who knows? Then you may be coming back here to record the remainder of this podcast a little late Tuesday night. <laughs> we'll be really Sat- chill. Saturday. Sat- Saturday. I don't know why I thought Tuesday. Elections are on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we want to leave it there for the first part of the podcast? We do. Uh, but in the meantime, we should tell people where to find our written work, I think. Uh, you can find Jason and I on cjonline.com, or you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at cjonline. Like us on Facebook. We're there as well. And Jason, if people want to get your updates, uh, where can they find you on social media? At Jason underscore Tid. And I am at Andrew Ball, B-A-H-L. And John, where are you at? Well, I'm at APJDHanna on Twitter and then www.apnews.com backslash. We're doing the hand movement, uh, Kansas. And I I was told by a uh, listener as I was uh, getting some lunch in the uh, state house, the let us feed you people, that's lettuce as in the leafy stuff feed you. I was told that listeners would like to hear about food, you know, like what we eat for lunch. I usually bring my lunch every day. Yes. And, and I try to do that, but I will not lie and pretend that I don't occasionally sneak out for, they have great chicken salad sandwiches, by the way. My intention is to always bring a sandwich or two and eat them. But yes. sometimes I forget to eat lunch until, you know, two or three o'clock. And other times I uh, might have a handful of goldfish. Well, and we, we should say the, the official taco, uh, the official Mexican restaurant of Chilling in the State House, Tacos El Sol, is a popular uh, lunchtime yes. favorite. Yes, it is. It is. The three of us. 
Yes, we like that. Yeah, if anyone from Tacos El Sol is listening and would like to discuss sponsorship opportunities, uh, you know where to find us. <laughs> Probably next at, week. At Tacos we El Sol, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. In East in East Topeka, right off of 6th Street, actually, right? Yeah, in Oakland. In a, Oakland. A great spot. Um, yes. If you are out there enjoying your tacos and want to listen to some Chill in the State House, some and back you do. episodes. You do. You do. It it goes as well with tacos as salsa does. Um, you can find us uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Wait, wait! We have not had the obligatory Disney reference, Jason. I've uh, stunned you, Beauty and the Beast. Well, well, there, we've had well, our Disney. I, I was thinking uh, if. You come back here in a few minutes and say that Mike Brown won. We can say he's back, just like uh, Tim Allen is going to be back as Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story. Is it five now? I believe it's five, Uh, yes. Which I think is interesting in the light of Republican politics because there was a big backlash over Tim Allen not being Buzz Lightyear in the movie Lightyear. Yes. That was good. I was on the spot. Well, did, we'll go. We'll, we'll go there. Um, Jason, Andrew, John, Andrew, Jason, John. I'll see you in a few minutes. Yes, to break down what happens. A, a few minutes. Yes, a few minutes in podcast time. Yes, and Jason, we love you, bud. I'll be home uh, watching the Wildcats beat Texas Tech. Knock on wood. Go Cats. Yes, go Cats. We always want to beat a team from Texas. <laughs> Hello, everyone. We are sitting uh, outside the Hotel Topeka, what, what, whatever the, they call the Capitol Plaza yeah, Hotel these the, days. Yeah, the hotel formerly known as the Capitol Plaza. I think it's got a glyph on the side like Prince used to have. <laughs> We are about an hour ago, a little more now, probably, uh, Republicans elected in a narrow, as narrow as it could possibly have been. Yes. 90 to 88 vote. Mike Brown uh, as their next chairman of the Kansas Republican Party. And John, I I don't, I, I use the word upset in a tweet. I don't know that upset is the right word because everyone said leading up to this, this is going to be very tight. But yeah. it certainly, people gasped when they read off the vote in the yeah, room. Yeah, it, it was, you know, we there had been an earlier vote on a rules question uh, where, the, where a lot of the Brown supporters clearly felt one way and a lot of the Van Etten supporters clearly felt the other way. And it was pretty heavily... Uh, for uh, the, the the side you thought showed that Van Etten, Helen Van Etten, a longtime Topeka activist who's a former RNC member, um, it seemed to suggest that she had the upper hand in the chair vote. And then when the balloting came back, uh, Mike Brown, uh, an activist from the Kansas City area, he ran for Secretary of State, lost the primary last year, the Republican primary, to uh, incumbent Scott Schwab. He is has been known to promote election conspiracies, um, and he promised to shake up the party. What that looks like, I think we're still 
uncertain because I, like conservative, it, this wasn't necessarily a, a ideological battle line. It was more a status quo versus yeah, the not it, status it, quo it had question. Been, it had been framed as establishment represented by Helen Van Etten versus anti-establishment represented by represented by Mike Brown. What was interesting was before the vote, the current officers of the party, uh, retired, retiring Chairman Mike Cuckelman, the two RNC members, Mark Cars and Kim Borchers, um, made a point of defending the party leadership's record. You know, Mike Cuckelman said, you know, the party doesn't have any debt. And we're in, I think he said, we're folks, we're in good shape. You know, Kim Borchers uh, really defended Rana McDaniel, the the reelected RNC chair. It was a lengthy yeah, defense. It, it was a lengthy defense of why all three of them had voted for her. And, you know, at one point she had members of the state committee stand up if they had more than five years of experience. And she said, uh, you know, welcome to the establishment. This is what I call commitment or something to that effect. And and so it was it at at a few moments is pretty pointed defense. And, and, and we got the election of Mike Brown, who has who called on Ronna McDaniel to resign, who opposed her reelection mm-hmm. last month. An interesting, well, and, interesting and, turn of events. And he, I mean, he in his speech, he he asked the state committee members to consider whether they were happy with the last two governor's races, whether they were happy with Sharice Davids being in Congress. Um, and, you know, that was, among his supporters, that was the key argument. Do we think we can do the same things and get different results? John, I- we don't have to go on at length, but I'm curious, what is kind of the first inflection point? What is the first thing you're going to be looking at to see what this, I don't want to say new look Republican Party, but maybe the, the change in direction that we might see? Well, I'm going to be looking to see if they're more vocal, more aggressive about challenging Joe Biden, if the rhetoric moves more toward, you know, what out there is sometimes called the ultra-MAGA wing of the party, Um, you know, obviously one of the interesting wrinkles here was within a half hour of this vote, um, a member of the state committee was bringing up a resolution to demand that the U.S. House impeach President Biden and some of his aides because in 20, in the summer of 2021, they were decrying the spread of misinformation about coronavirus vaccines on social media and they were castigating officials for not officials, public officials and then social media companies for not doing enough to counter this spread of misinformation in the GOP. And and that was termed tyranny and a violation of their constitutional oaths and, you know, suppression of free speech. And, and so the, the state committee will deal with that resolution it looks like at its next meeting they you know after a very after a brief discussion and a reading of the resolution they tabled it so that people could have more time to look at it and And i think everyone wanted to get to dinner (laughs) yeah that that too nobody wanted a 
along. I mean, it. The interesting thing that that debate would be and could be interesting, um, because you know how many how many Republicans members of the state committee really do feel that they want Joe Biden impeached on any number of grounds. I mean, you, when the U.S. pulled out of Afghanistan, for example, and that an understatement did not go well or smoothly, let's say it did not go smoothly. Um, there was some talk of that amongst the hard right Republicans. And, and I'm sure there are other things they, they would think of uh, that they think would be grounds for impeachment. But, um, you know, there's a question about how some, uh, it would be that, that kind of rhetoric sells with, uh, the really strong vocal supporters of, of former President Trump. But the question is, how how does it play with a larger, less Trumpy electorate? Right. When speaking with, with Mike Brown after his election, he said, you know, that, that they're going to try and play in every district and every area of the right. state. They're not going to concede you know, they're not going to concede any district. So, you know, the most Democratic districts in Wyandotte County or, you know, the really Democratic ones in Johnson County, the few in Topeka or Wichita. Yeah, they're going to they're going to contest those, he says. And, and, you know, he said that he ran saying that, you know, bold conservative leadership will win elections. It, you know, the question now will become, will his mold of bold conservative leadership well, and, be and, what appeals to, to voters and yeah and, and reverse the we talked about this I think on Friday but reverse the, the losses in Johnson County well and and that's 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 interesting for a couple of reasons thinking about Johnson County because first of all the the retiring chair Mike Cuckelman suggested that Brown was too soft on gun rights and opposition to abortion because he had made some comments that, you know, what we agree on, what the core of it is lower taxes and small government, and we need to bring along people who disagree with us somewhat on those issues. And, you know, of course, Michael Cuckelman said, no, the platform is very strong on those two issues. But when you think about Johnson County, those are two issues that hurt Republicans in Johnson right. County. I mean, the the center of kind of the state's uh, gun safety movement is in Johnson County. And of course, Johnson County voted by a pretty wide margin against the anti-abortion amendment to the state constitution, the so-called value them both amendment. So, you know, I, I think it, it's an it's a it's a good question about if the party is going to, if not move to the right, but be more vocal and loud about being on the right, how that's going to sell in, in a large swath of Johnson County. Now, you know, arguably that approach would really solidify, for example, Western Kansas. But the fact is the state is growing in Johnson County. And, and so Republicans have to be concerned about what the new GOP chair there called the Purple Creep. Um, and so they do have to figure out how to, I, I, I say they do have to, but, 
you know, there is an issue of there of whether they have to figure out how to win more voters back there. And that's now all in Mike Brown's lap as party chair. Um, and, you know, he lives in Johnson County, right. so in theory he... Has an intimate knowledge yeah, of... Yeah, <laughs> he, he has some ideas about that. Um, It'll be interesting. It will be. It will it's, it's going to be... It's it's going to be an interesting two years, I think, with the Republican Party. It will be interesting to see whether there's any ripple effect in the legislature, whether it, you know, whether it either causes problems for the party or causes legislators to look at different issues, anything like that. Um, you know, obviously, it will be interesting to see what they say about uh, Governor Kelly and her policies and how they phrase them, um, their criticisms, all of that. It's just going to be very interesting to watch um, how how all of this unfolds. Well, Children's State House will be right there uh, unpacking everything as we go along. But Mm -hmm. uh, for now, John, uh, dinner time? Dinner time. We got to get some food in us. John? Andrew. The sign-off is a little easier with two people. Yeah, and it really is. We miss we Jason. We but... miss Jason, and we, we miss his uh, love of K-State and his, his Disney references. Um, but he will be back with us soon. That's true. And you all will hopefully be back right alongside us, and we will see you then. Same time, same place. <laughs>